I would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that I am located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and I am privileged and honored to live and learn on the unceded, unsurrendered territory of the Anishinaabe Algonquin Nation. Hello, and welcome to Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. Trench Leadership is a proud supporter of the Concussion Legacy Foundation for their leadership in advancing the study, treatment, and prevention of brain trauma for athletes, veterans, and other at-risk groups. Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front, is a show for emerging leaders of all professions that offers advice, inspiration, and practical tools from a diverse breadth of leaders who have made the mistakes, had the triumphs, and are still learning along the way. Here's your host, Simon Cardinal. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. We never know when or where our leadership journey will take us. Yes, we try our hardest to create long-term schedules, to control our own leadership destiny, but most often, we experience leadership opportunities in the wildest of moments, often coming at us from different directions we never even saw coming. But what do we do when the opportunities arrive? Most often, fear and dread kick in. The self-loathing questions start in our mind. Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Why would they even choose me? Well, in this episode, you'll hear from Sherry Miter, a visionary strategist and strengths coach for leaders who will help emerging leaders by offering advice and tools to help answer these self-deprecating questions before the pivot ever arrives. And this will give emerging leaders the confidence to consider their next leadership opportunity with clarity and decisiveness. As a Gallup certified strength coach and E2Grow partner, Sherry Miter is passionate about creating happier entrepreneurs and teams through vision, strategies, and strength-based leadership. With an entrepreneurial spirit, Sherry used her strengths to create a successful 26-year career in a network marketing company. And despite many of life's challenges, she has been able to lead her sales team to the top 1% in the company, hitting major milestones along the way. Today, she has charted a course for her life that allows her to support entrepreneurs, leaders, and teams by helping them navigate their strengths and create success strategies to reach their goals while enjoying the journey that gets them there. Sherry shares. So when I finally understood and tapped into my God-given talents and the power of living within my strengths, I was able to unlock the barriers that had been holding me back from the success I was seeking in my career. Working within my strengths set me free to create a successful life I truly loved. That's what I want for you and your business. When she's not coaching, consulting, or creating her podcast, Sherry loves to spend time with her four grandchildren, travel, and set sail on adventures with her husband of 36 years. Sherry's top five strengths are futuristic, maximizer, self-assurance, command, and strategy. Hi, Sherry. Thanks so much for coming to the show today. I know you're very, very busy, so we really appreciate you taking this time for us. How are you doing out there? I'm doing great, and I appreciate you for having me on the show, Simon. I'm excited about this conversation. I'm excited to get in and talk about how all of our passions, they lead us on these weird journeys, but we never really expect where we're going to go. And for you, it, it, a lot of it had to do with, you were working with Mary Kay, you became one of their executives. And then somewhere along that line, you discovered the Gallup strength test and, and how that was going to become a new passion for you on a professional level. Is that an accurate thing to talk about? Um, yes, pretty accurate. Yep. I was with Mary Kay. I was a sales director with them. 
and always thought that was my life. Like I loved what I did, you know, way before that I ran another business with my husband. So I've always kind of been, I love that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, thought it was going to be a teacher at another course and realized that I love teaching other women how to run a successful business. And I was able to do that within the direct sales platform. And I did quite well with it. You know, there were definitely the ups and downs, the hills, the valleys, and all of that in between. But I was able to rank uh, pretty much the top 1%, maybe even less by the time I was finished with my career. But within that, around, I don't know, three or four years ago, I was introduced to the Clifton Strengths. One of our corporate executives in Mary Kay was going out into the field and he was teaching the leadership team. Um, all about Clifton Strengths. He had got certified with Gallup, and I found the tool very useful. And actually, let me back up a little bit from that. In 2016, I actually took the assessment and did nothing with it. I took the top five, like I know I you just took, and I read it and probably thought, oh, that's interesting. I'm an assessment junkie, so I tend to do those things all the time. But oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Yep, pretty spot on. And then, like I said, set it aside, never to look at it until a few years ago when Sean was going out into the field and, and introducing the whole sales force to the strengths, especially the leadership team. And then I went to a workshop that he did. And that was really the eye opener for me. And I was at a place in my career where even though I had had a lot of success, I found myself often saying, if I was coming off of a really good year, I found myself saying, is it ever enough? Because it always seemed like there was one more thing to shoot for. You know, you reach a level and then there's like, oh, okay, got to get geared up to do the next, you know, the next year we got to start this all over again. And it was starting to get exhausting, to be honest. Or after really diving into my strengths, I realized like, oh, this is also why I was having these like, this angst, this just inner, like I was, I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but it was just this like, feeling of, am I still in the right place for me? Is there something more out there? And it was a very strange feeling because I'd been with Mary Kay for over 20 years and I truly did. I loved it and thought it was my life, but it was just that feeling. So when I really took a deep, deep dive into my Clifton strengths, I realized like, huh, this is why I'm feeling this way. I'm not using my strengths anymore. There were one or two I was, but there were a lot that I didn't have the platform, I didn't have the venue, I didn't have the team to be able to really use my strengths. And then a couple other things happened in my personal life and within the company that just caused me to say, you know, I think it's time. I think it's time to move on to something else. And, um, you know, the past two years, I slowly broke away from being a sales director, I retired from that in July. And last May, I got certified with Gallup to be a, a certified coach. And I absolutely love it. I feel like I'm now at 55 years old. I'm excited about the next 10 years of really having all the past meet the future and create something truly fun and great. Um, I don't know exactly what that'll look like, but I'm really excited about it. I'd like to start by applauding your courage to be willing to make those that change, that pivot, because quite often 
people won't they they kind of get stuck in a rut and or it's easier to live within that that sphere of familiarity rather than than branch out and not that i'm i'm judging people who don't do that but if if you're not happy it's in ourselves to be able to go and make those changes and stuff like that but the first trick with that the first step rather is to know what what the changes you might want them to be how are you going to do that that's a down the road thing that's one of the great things I found with when I did the Clifton, the Clifton strengths test was, was it, it allowed me to open my eyes to that. And I've done other assessment courses or quizzes rather. I've done the MBTI and I've done the Enneagram and, and they all have their strengths and their weaknesses, but this one was different in how uh, it, it presented the information to me. And most importantly, I found was the way the questions were designed really made me look at things from a different perspective, which, which I always love that that shift to look at things from a different way. Mm-hmm, totally. And, and as I shared, I am a assessment junkie. Like I feel like most of them, there's a few out there that are pretty like, eh, I don't know if I buy that one, but most out there, the popular ones, they have a purpose and they all, I mean, we can't know ourselves good enough. I feel like, because the more we are aware of who we are at our best, then we can give to others. You know, it's, to me, that's how you fill your cup is knowing who you are and how you show up to the world. Um, and then that gives others around you, you know, that place to do the same. But um, when I really got exposed, because same thing, I've done the Myers-Briggs, I can never remember my four digits, what they are. I never, <laughs> don't ask me what my Myers-Briggs numbers or letters are. Um, Enneagram, every time I took that, it was different. And the thing with the Clifton strengths and even disc, we use disc a lot in the network marketing field, a lot. And I like disc again, it serves a purpose. Um, but you're so spot on with the way the Clifton strengths assessment, the questions. And for those listening that aren't familiar, it's 177 questions. And these questions were not just some, something that somebody, um, threw on a, you know, assessment and called it, let's put this out there. This is from Gallup. They have studied excellence. And this has been decades working on this, um, decades. So it's based on science. It's based on data. And you can't really cheat the Clifton Strengths assessment because it's timed out. So each question, you only have 20 seconds to answer it. And they do that because they want your gut reaction. And I was just sharing with Simon before this that, this morning, I had the opportunity to do a uh, training. It's a series that we're doing a high-performing teams training with a group of uh, fire captains. My husband's a professional firefighter. So we're doing this with his, his leaders. And I was telling them about the assessment. That's their next step. And it's like, you don't think too hard on it. Nobody's judging you on the way you answer the question. Nobody's going to think, oh, you're an awful human being because you answer this. Nobody really sees that. What you get is your your results based on that question. So you really answer it from your gut, what you really feel like, and that's how you get the true results back. Oh, I actually, when I was going through the questions, there was, I only had one where it timed out. And like you, like you had mentioned, it talks about the gut reaction. Cause I was looking at both of the responses and I was pondering it. I'm like, Hmm, I don't know which one this is. And then all of a sudden boom, it timed itself out. I'm like, Oh, Oh, Oh no. And I, I was able to, you know, of course I responded to that question. And I went on, but it was a good reminder that don't overthink it, just go in and do it. And I like that because I know when I did the MBTI test, 
uh, years and years ago, I was answering some of the questions based off what I thought I should answer. And that skewed the responses, of course. So when I went and did it a second time, I was a lot more honest with myself and there wasn't all a huge difference, but there were definitely were some differences. So that's one of the interesting things about the Clifton notes, or the, sorry, the Clifton test is that it will, for, it forces you to just take that, that gut reaction, that gut instinct. It's interesting. Right. And even the fact that you didn't answer is an answer in itself because they, they realize that if somebody's not strong, doesn't feel strong. And it's one of those assessments that do you feel stronger on this or this? So it's like two ends of the spectrum. And if you don't feel strong on either that in itself is an answer, it's a neutral answer. So that actually plays into the results. So in essence, you do answer the question, even if you get timed out <laughs> with that. Um, I think I've only heard once that somebody, um, had mentioned they had a client like amongst the coaches that they had a client that actually timed out on so many of the questions <laughs> they couldn't give them an assessment result. <laughs> so uh, that person definitely overthought it. And, and I think that's what happens is a lot of, because a lot of times we're asked to take these assessments for work. And what people do is they look at the question and they think, how would my boss want me to answer this? And that's how they answer it, not really based on their true gut thought on it, on the question, no matter what assessment it is. Well, very much so. And when, uh, when I did the MBTI quiz the first time that was in, while I was in the process of working towards my master's degree in, in leadership. And so it was interesting in that I didn't know exactly how I should resp uh, respond to the questions, but I definitely felt a need and it was based off myself. No, I had, I had received no external pressure for this, but definitely felt the need to respond to the answers in a leaderly way. And, and that was interesting. It was, it, I think about that often now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's true for a lot of people. It's how should I answer this? Not how, what do I really feel here? Oh, very, very much so. But, but that's the thing in this, in the whole topic of this episode is if people are thinking they may need to do a pivot, they may need to reassess their values or have a better way to understand themselves in various uh, perspectives. That's one of the great things about the Clifton Strengths test is it will help open our eyes to things. It doesn't mean it's who we are, uh, but it definitely helps us understand a bit about ourselves and our internal processes. Is that an accurate thing to say? Right. And what it's actually what the whole Clifton Strengths assesses you on, it is your natural, we call them your talents, your themes. And what it's based on is actually from Donald Clifton, who is one of, uh, he's a psychologist, well, he's passed away, but a psychologist, one of the first ones to really um, go into positive psychology. And, and his whole thing was, he always said, what would happen if we studied what is right with people? And he was a professor at the University of Nebraska. So he did a lot of different, really cool studies there. And then Gallup, you know, he partnered with Gallup to create this Clifton Strengths Assessment. And it's based on excellence. It's based on what are the strengths of excellence. And they, you know, there's thousands of different talents out there. And when we say talents, we're not talking about um, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. So we're not talking about talents like Aaron Rodgers has for throwing a football. We're talking about our natural way of thinking, feeling, and behaving. It's how we show up at our best. 
And it really is kind of your thumbprint. And what's really cool with the Clifton Strengths is for a lot of us, we can even look back when you get your assessment, you can kind of look back and see maybe little glimmers of how those talents showed up when you were a youth. But what happens is a lot of times what is a talent for us is stifled, whether it be because of a, and and not on purpose, you know, it's not somebody doing it to be mean or, you know, it's not done on purpose, but it could be a parent. It could be a teacher later in life. It could be a boss or another coworker that stifles that talent. Again, it's just because they're not aware of it, but when we're, when we get in an environment where we know that, oh, that's a talent of mine. Like half the time, we don't even know what a talent is of ours because um, they're unconscious. They're things we do unconsciously. And when we can recognize one, we recognize, oh, that's a talent of mine. And then we create our own environment that nurtures that talent. Or if you work with other people, you create like with the firefighters, we're trying to create an environment where their talents are nurtured so that they can then become a strength of theirs. And, you know, Gallup's formula is talents times investment equals strengths. So it's there, but it may be raw, might might be untapped talent. So we need to one, recognize it, and then two, invest in it, and then continue to do it so that it becomes a strength. Um, But it's focusing on what's right with us versus that human nature of usually we tend to always go to that what's wrong with me thought. So the, the, and the trick with those types of things is people see things they don't necessarily like about themselves, or there's a perception like, oh, I don't want to hear that about myself. So this must mean I'm a terrible person or something along those lines. That's not what these, this assessment is saying. It's just, like you said, it's providing a little bit of a thumbprint, not neither good nor bad. Is that an accurate statement? Totally. Yeah. None of, none of these talents, there's 34 of them that they've narrowed it down to. Like I said, there's thousands of talents, but for the sake of the Clifton strengths, they've narrowed it down to basically 34 themes, 34 talent buckets, if you will. And that's what they kind of measure you on. And um, none of them are better or worse than the other. It's how we, again, naturally think, feel, and behave. So it's how we can then take that talent to maybe get to the same result. Maybe you want the same thing as somebody else, but your path, if you use your own talents is going to go this, you know, one way and somebody else is going to go a different path to get there. Um, just because our talents look different, but we can both get to the same place. I love how you worded that. Just because someone has a different talent doesn't mean you can't get to the same spot. It's just a different path and that's okay. It's one of the things that one of the themes we talk about often in the show is, is understanding our own paths and understanding that we create our own paths based off of the decisions that we choose to make. And that's neither good nor bad. It's just the direction that we choose to go because everything we do is a decision. And because of that, there's a, an offshoot path you're going to be taking it and that's okay. That's all right. Exactly. Exactly. And I know for your, your listeners, a lot of them are those emerging leaders, or maybe they are a leader, you know, they've been a leader for a while. And when I, and I saw this within my own company and I see it now, you know, with a lot of different companies that I work with or talk, you know, people I talk to is one, a lot of times we are thrown into a leadership position (laughs) and we may have been really good, 
like even a sales team always comes to mind. You may have been the top salesperson out there and you know how to sell a car like nobody's business, but now all of a sudden you're, you're told you need to manage people, but they don't give you a management. They don't give you a leader in manual to do that. Or maybe they do, but it's very, very generic or in the network marketing field, you know, we had a lot of leadership training, but it was all based on one person's view of it, how they were a successful leader. And even going back, the, the firefighters I was talking to this morning, they have nothing. They go to uh, one school when they get to one promotion, but it's all technical stuff. There's mostly technical stuff. Nobody's telling them how to be a great or teaching them how to be a great leader. So they may be, they may know the skills, but they don't have the leadership. And even if there is, again, a manual given to you, it's based on somebody else's talents. So when we can tap into our own talents and really discover our own leadership style under the umbrella of wherever you're working, you know, there's always things you have to, um, you know, fall under, watch, or, you know, abide by, I should say. Um, but when you show up using your talents as a leader, that makes you more confident, more successful, you're more energized, and it's a heck of a lot more fun when you can do it that way too. Oh, very much so. I know within the Canadian military, they, they, there's an effort to teach different leadership principles, but really at the end of the day, what, what often happens is the leadership principles that are really emphasized are the ones that are most suited for a military environment. And, and that's okay. But the other challenge with that is by limiting the amount of, of scope that we can help someone see different things, it, it limits their scope that they can see different things and understand what's out there. It's actually the whole reason this podcast exists because after 26 years in the military, I was very good at leading with my brain because that's a military mindset. And when I started the master's degree, all of a sudden it was about leading and learning with my heart. I had to find a way to blend the two. And when I did that, I realized that I was a different person now because of that. And hence the retirement, hence trench leadership, a podcast from the front, because it's upon all of us as leaders to be able to help other leaders become more effective leaders. And waiting until someone is in a leadership role is, is too late. And it's the hope that these types of episodes talking about Clifton strengths will get, provide someone the tools to help them decide if they even want to be a leader. You know, a lot of times there's a pressure to assume that that's the next level. That's what success equals becoming the leader of a team. Maybe you don't want to, who knows, but the Clifton strengths test, it sounds to me based off of what I've done with it as well, that that would help provide some of those, that type of clarity. Is that an accurate thing to say? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, a couple of things in what you were just sharing there. Um, one is, yes, it's totally okay. If going back to this, you know, the car salesman, or even again, the firefighters, my husband, and I talked about this after we were done with this, this workshop this morning, that there were a lot of great firefighters that never moved into the leadership positions. They stayed where they were and they had a great reputation because they were one of the best. They could provide great training. They were great mentors. We need those people. Or again, in a sales department or something, some people are really great at sales or they're really great at customer service or whatever it is they do. 
celebrate that. And if you're a leader and you have a team, that's where I think as leaders, we need to celebrate and let people stay in the positions they're supposed to be in. And again, going back with strengths, that's what's good about knowing that, knowing your whole team is like, okay, maybe this person is best suited here. They're playing in their strengths. Why mess that up? <laughs> you know, why throw them into a leadership position if that's not where they're best suited to go? Oh, very, very much so. And I am curious. I mean, we—you you had mentioned earlier that that there are thirty-four different talents that the the strengths kind of looks at, or as narrow, you know, options that they've looked at. Would there be some value in us discussing my five strengths just a little bit, kind of an overview and umbrella, just to see where we go from there? What do you think about that? Absolutely, I always love this. So. Um... Yeah. So I had, you know, I know you, you took the assessment and it was ideation, restorative, futuristic connectedness and learner. And what I can do is I'm going to give you, uh, and for the listeners here, uh, the very brief (laughs) description of each of those top five, but I do want to point out, and I'm going to say it now because you know, I'll forget if I don't say things sometimes (laughs) that when you take the assessment and there's two options for the assessment, really there's three options. If you're curious to do this after, you know, after hearing about this, you can do what's called the top five. So you take the same test, no matter what, or the same assessment, you just get your top five and it tells you what, based on all 34, these are your top five. And it's important. But what's really cool is that one of the, they give you two reports and one of them is very customized because it actually looks at not just that one talent, but it plays into the other four of your talents and even how you, the stuff you don't even see behind the scenes, they know that. So it's very customized because your, um, you know, I have futuristic is my number one, it's your number three. Our description of futuristic may look totally different, even though it's still futuristic, because they're blended with our other talents. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear this. This will be fun. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's the top five. And then you can do, which I, I highly recommend, and I'll tell you how you could do this too, Simon, is there is the full 34. So it's $19.99 to take the top five. Or it's, I think, $49.99 to take the full 34 assessment. And when you do the full 34, it's going to give you all 34 where they play. So you'll see your top five, your top 10, and your top 10, are you, that's you at your absolute best. And then you have the other, uh, other parts that kind of, they may show up every once in a while, the next few And then you also see your bottom ones and we don't want to get fixated on the bottom ones, but they're important to know because those are, that's where you like the areas, your, your lesser talents are where you want to partner with somebody who has them in the top, or you learn to navigate around them. Sometimes you don't even have to worry about them because they're really not getting in the way of your success. So you you don't even do anything about them. Or sometimes you just have to suck it up and know, okay, if I have to do something that's requires those bottom talents, it's going to suck the life out of me for that day. Plan accordingly, you know, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, uh, 
you know, context and discipline are low for me. So if I have to do something that's really, really requires a lot of discipline or requires me to look backwards versus forward thinking, that's exhausting to me. I can do it, but I'm not going to be the best at it. And again, it's just going to, it's not a fun day for me if that's what I'm doing that day. Um, so that's just kind of the overall. Now, if you did the top five and then you feel like, wait, I want to unlock the whole thing. You can go back in and just unlock the rest of them. And then I, I think it's like 29 or 39 99 to unlock the rest of the, the assessment. So okay, you don't have to perfect. take it all over again. That's the question <laughs> I was about to ask. So that's perfect. Thanks. No. Um, and then Clifton strengths does also have, there's a, um, strengths for managers assessment or report, I should say report. Cause again, you don't have to take the assessment again, but it's just a new, another report. You can also uh, purchase through Gallup. And this is all the only place you can take Clifton strengths is from Gallup. That's another thing I respect about this is, you know, Enneagram and those, and they're fun, you know, they're great to do again, but there's no regulation on a lot of these other assessments. And the only place you can take this is through Gallup. You can work with a coach like myself. You can find free assessments through in the back of some of the Gallup's books, but everything leads you back to Gallup's website to take the assessment. Ultimately, that's all roads, all roads lead to Gallup. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you know the, the assessment you take is the same assessment I'm going to take. Hi there, it's Glenn, the voiceover artist. I'm back and you guessed it. If you're hearing me, that means we're at the midpoint of this episode. Do you have a topic that you feel would benefit from emerging leaders? Then send us a note at simonk at trenchleadership.ca. And if your topic is used on the show, you'll be invited as a special guest host for your episode. Follow Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. And if you feel we've earned it, please help us grow our following by leaving a review and sharing the episodes on your social media platforms. And now, back to the show. So let's talk about, so again, so these are the generic description of them, Simon. Um, So when you go in to look at your, your insight report, though, know that that's your personalized report. um, That's based on your other themes, but so ideation people, um, people exceptionally talented in the ideation theme are fascinated by ideas. They are able to find connections between seemingly disparate phenomena. They bring new and fresh perspectives, and they need freedom to explore possibilities without restraints or limits. So when you hear that, can you think of like, oh, okay, yeah, I see that, or a time that you did, or what's your thoughts on hearing just that brief description? Well, that. That is very accurate for me. I'm always one of the things I kind of got known for over the years as I'm an idea guy. Uh, and I, I don't like often don't see something as being, I don't like the word impossible. It's probably a good way to put it. I think there's always a way to find a solution to something. We just need time and imagination to get us there. So that, that mm-hmm. strikes a chord with me for sure. Yeah. I love that. And it your next three or the three, the restorative and the futuristic, you're going to see how the three of those working together 
like that's everything for you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> um, because the next one, restorative, is people exceptionally talented in the restorative theme are adept at dealing with problems. They are good at figuring out what what is wrong and resolving it. They bring courage and creativity to problematic situations. And the, they need problems that must be solved. I would say restorative people are interesting because if there is not a, this is maybe the downside of, or, or the, we call them the blind spot of a restorative person. If there's not a problem that needs to be solved, they create a problem to solve. <laughs> that, that also rings very true with me in that I, I tend to over-engineer a solution too. Because I, I, in my head, if, especially if I can't find the solution right away, or I can't figure out something, I will build it and build it and build it until it's this big giant solution bomb. And then when really all I needed to do was sit down. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, restorative at their best, they are your problem solvers. They're your person like, oh, I have the, you know, if you have somebody on your team or you're working, you're, you have a problem, you can't figure out give it to a restorative person. They love to problem solve. Um, but it is that caveat is that the pro the restorative person needs to be careful not to create problems when they're, it's all good. <laughs> you know, we're good. <laughs> there is a middle ground. It, things will be okay. Right. Right. And that's true. Like I said, every, every talent, every theme has a blind spot to them and it's either how it shows up for yourself in a raw form, uh, form, we call that, or sometimes it's how others perceive you as well. So it's good to be aware of those. Um, futuristic. So futuristic, I love, cause that's my number one. Um, so people exceptionally talented in the futuristic theme are inspired by the future and what could be. They energize others with their visions of the future. So they bring previews, predictions, uh, forecasts, they need opportunities to talk about the foreseen future. So that's where I say what you had shared earlier when I read about ideation, I can so see where the ideation, the restorative and the futuristic really create you at your best, you know? Um, yeah. So what, what's your thoughts on futuristic? Uh, absolutely. I, I'd like to imagine myself as always a looking forward to the next thing or trying to understand things or make things better and understanding that down the road, that's, that's a possibility. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it rings, rings with me very, very strongly. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have connectedness at, oops, and there goes my cat. So um, connectedness, people exceptionally talented in the connectedness theme have faith in the links among all things. They believe there are few coincidences and that almost every event has meaning. They bring an appreciation of the mystery and wonder of life in all creation. They need to be a part of something bigger than themselves, a family, a team, a global community. And I definitely see that with you with the whole podcast. Well, very much so. I, 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 I was going to say, I like to connect. I like the idea of connecting people together. It's, this is an apt word. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then the last one is the learner and people exceptionally talented in the learner theme have a great desire to learn and want to want continuous, want to continuously improve. Sorry. 
the process of learning rather than the outcome excites them. They bring a learning perspective and excitement for the learning process. They need exposure to new information and experiences. So as learners, learners, one of my top 10 as well. We just love to learn. We love the process of it. Oh, oh, very, very much so. I'm always trying to get a little new bit more information or trying to understand how something works. The, the irony for myself is I also have very limited patience. So uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm pretty good at doing research, but I don't have the patience to do research. It, it's an interesting dichotomy there. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And that's, I think, too, part of that with the, the learners interesting because we don't even necessarily, a lot of people with learn, high learner, it's not that we actually even need to master what we're learning either. It's like, I want, like I said, learners in my top 10, I might have two or three books going at the same time. And I know that would drive most people crazy, but it's like usually about halfway through a book. If I feel like I kind of got the point, I, I, I want to quit reading it. I, I want to move on to the next one. I know. Do you find yourself like that, Simon? <laughs> I, I find myself like that all the time. Okay. I, I know what's being said here. I got the message. Move on. I have a hard time getting through an entire YouTube video of something because once I got the idea, I got it. Next, next thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. So it's fun, you know, when you can identify with these strengths. So the whole point is that like, okay, but now it's like, what do you do with that information? Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and that's where the, we go back to that formula of talents times investment equals strengths. And if we do go back to, again, I, my mind's on football because we have the playoffs this weekend. Um, Aaron Rodgers, he's one of the best football players ever. And at whatever age he was that he discovered, hey, I can throw a football pretty good. You know, somebody in his life nurtured that. And they didn't say, well, wait, let's see how you can catch a ball or how are you at kicking? They took that talent of his to, and, and with Aaron Rodgers, it's so much more than even just throwing. It's how he does everything on the playing field. It'd be interesting to see what his top five strengths are. But he's also very, one of his key things are, like him or not, is he's very good at reading. Very much so. I think, I think the elite quarterbacks. I'm also a football person. So I totally get that. They need to be able to see all of that, but just process that information in a flash. Right. Right. He probably has high adaptability because there's so many high adaptability. They can change on a spot. So even though the play was supposed to be this, he's very good at like, wait, that's not going to work. So let's do this, you know, reacting in the moment. Um, so there's so many things about that. So he was nurtured in that so that he became an elite quarterback. And, and that's what we want to look at. It's not about, cause a lot of times people are like, well, wait, but I want to be better at this or, well, this leader got there because they did X, Y, and Z. So I guess I have to do X, Y, and Z to be a great leader. Well, no, you have these things, these talents, these traits. So let's nurture them. Let's look deeper at like, how can I get better at ideation? How can I use my ideation more? And that's just going to make you even, you know, better at everything you do versus trying to worry about what you're not good at. Well, exactly. And this is part of what we had talked about earlier is 
we all may be, may be taking a different path, but our path will lead us to where we want to go. We just kind of have to build the road a little bit and, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And we can be the masters of our own destiny. Mm, exactly. Exactly. And then, so with the, the Clifton strengths, the other thing they've done, so they have the 34 talents and then they, they Gallup took those 34 talents and they put them into, and this is the Sherry Miter version of this. <laughs> this is the unscientific <laughs> version of it. Fantastic. But they took these four buckets and they threw in um, the talents that belong in each bucket. And one bucket is strategic thinking. One bucket is called relationship building. One bucket is, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank, executing. <laughs> uh, and then one bucket is called influencing. And, and I do have a free gift for your listeners that even if they don't take the assessment, they can kind of look to see based on some questions through the uh, workbook that I have to, to give them. They can kind of tell based on their natural way what they already know about themselves, which bucket they probably go in. But I strongly do recommend take the assessment because again, a lot of times we're unconscious about our talents, but they put them in these four buckets. So like for you, Simon, you actually, three of your top five are in the strategic thinking domain. So, which means you probably are really good at like, just, you know, absorbing information, analyzing it, and then um, creating better decisions, creating that goes back that problem solving that, you know, creating, getting to the great problem. Um, do you feel like that's pretty accurate for yourself that you could see yourself in the strategic thinking domain? I, I think so. Uh, there's, there's, you know, not, of course, not every decision I make is a winner, but I definitely see myself being able to take in a lot of the information and analyzing it, collating it, crunching it in my mind, whatever, and then coming up with a decision of some type. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. And, and I, so I lead with influencing and strategic thinking. That's more based on like your top, the full top 10, but it's interesting. I remember a scenario and this is again, why, um, doing this is so vital. I remember coaching one of my team members at one point and, uh, I don't even remember exactly what it was, we, where we were going with it, what we were trying to do, but I am known amongst my peers, amongst everybody as being the strategic thinker. If, if my peers had it a problem or they were working on a program, they're like, Hey, I just need to, I mean, I literally would get phone calls. I need to pick your strategic brain. This is even before we knew about strengths. Like <laughs> I just knew that I, my brain just works that way. I can analyze things very quickly and, and see the, um, and you probably do this too, where you could, you see the prob again, the problem sometimes that others miss or the timelines, whatever it might be. And anyway, I remember coaching one of my team members and I remember her saying to me, it's like, but I don't think that way. Can you help me out? I need you to help me out. And, and here I am like, you can figure it out. This is what you need to do. Go figure it out. Is what I yeah, basically had said to her. Yeah, I, I've, I've done that before too. What is the problem? This is obvious. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's what happens because it's so easy for us. We don't realize like, oh, that really is our, my husband said not to say this, but there are superpowers, like there are strengths and that's what we do well. 
we're left just wondering why, why can't you think that way? What's the matter with you? But when we go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I completely agree with you. That's all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's to me, the beautiful thing about this is as a team to not only just know your own talents, but then know your team members strengths too. So you realize like, oh yeah, strategic thinking's you know, again, another scenario, my husband, strategic thinking is not high on his. He leads with relationship building, which he didn't like. Initially, <laughs> He's like, wait, I'm a fire chief. I need to build with this. He has command, <laughs> commands one of my top five. And he's like, I want command because I command a fire scene. It's like, it's totally, that's not what it's about. And, you know, you lead a different way. He's very, he has high empathy. <laughs> um, so, but even little things. So I like Clifton Strikes can save a marriage, I swear. Um, so we have, well, we actually sold our boat, but we have, we were sailor Well, we still are sailors. We want another boat, but we would be out on the lake on our sailboat and say we had to meet somebody. We had to be heading home by seven o'clock that night or whatever. If I left it up to him, we would be leaving the place on the water at 645 in a sailboat. And if you know anything about sailing, you don't go anywhere fast on a sailboat. (laughs) And I realize now that my strategic brain can do the backwards time clock. All right. If we want to be there by seven, that means we need to be there. You know, it'll probably take us a half hour. Let's give it 45 minutes to get there. So we need to be, it takes us about 10 minutes just to pull the anchor up. You know, I would quickly, like in two minutes or less, process all of that. And and he doesn't do that. And I, like I said, now I realize like, oh, that's just my strategic brain. He doesn't have that. So I've, we've kind of learned that he needs to trust me when I say we need to be anchors up at six o'clock if we want to be back by seven. I do the exact same thing. I'll but time I go time backwards. I'll if I need to be at the airport for a specific time, I'll say, okay, well, this is it. Do 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 do. And I, you know, I'll I do the exact same thing. And I'm the only one in the house who does it that way. And quite often I'm sitting in the car waiting to go. And you know, the 10 minutes goes by, 15. You get the idea. And uh rarely on time, but ugh, what can you do? I understand. I I, I mm-hmm. totally get it. <laughs> right. And that's where, so like in a work scenario, again, when you can, even in the household, when people can learn to trust that, like, wait, no, we need to trust Simon's brain on this, <laughs> you know, or in a work scenario, when you can learn that, like, oh, wait, I need to listen to Simon because he has that strategic brain. And I know his time, his timing, his framework is going to be better than mine because I don't think that way again doesn't mean anybody's better or worse. We just think differently. Um, So it's when we can honor that and respect that amongst each other, then we can highlight what's right with people and let them make decisions if it's appropriate to that scenario. Um, You know, like, and even, you know, with my husband. So again, he leads with empathy. So I've learned because I do have high command and sometimes I can come off a little strong. (laughs) Sometimes I say things I shouldn't say. I always say, I say things other people are thinking and it should be better left sometimes just thinking it, not saying it out loud, but it flows out of my mouth before I have 
control of it sometimes. Not a not necessarily a good thing at all. But I've learned if I'm trying to maybe send a text to somebody or say something to somebody, I have learned, I try to go to my husband and say, how's this going to sound? Is this going to come off the right way? Or how should I handle this scenario? Because I know he's softer thing, you know, in that respect, um, than how I might inadvertently say something that gets me into trouble. I also do the exact same thing. I will, if, 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 I know I'm writing an email or a message of some type and I'm kind of hopped up on emotions or it's near and dear to my heart for whatever reason I have learned and it's very difficult to do, but I've learned over time to write it, put it aside, wait till I I'm in a better mindscape, go back and look at it. 99% of the time I end up deleting the entire thing and then rewriting it with what I really mean and in a tone that I, is a little more appropriate for whatever's going on. So I, I totally empathize with that for sure. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think any of us in a heated moment need to take that no matter what your talents are. That's good advice. anyway. <laughs> Very yeah. good advice. Don't send upset emails. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Fantastic. Not at all. Well, well, this has been just great. You know, we've, we've talked about, we talked a little bit about my personal five and it was a good eye opener. We talked about the Cliston strength in general. Do you have any other thoughts about that before we move into the lightning round? Yes. Um, I just want to share for those that love data that again, this is all from Gallup. So they, they love data, um, that people who have, uh, use their Clifton strengths assessment, um, they are six times as likely to be engaged in their jobs, six times as likely to strongly agree that they have the opportunity to do what they do best every day, three times as likely to report having an excellent quality of life, don't we all want that, more confident and more likely to achieve their goals, they're more likely to report having ample energy, feeling well-rested, being happy, smiling, or laughing a lot, they're learning something interesting and being treated with respect, and they're less likely to report experiencing worry, stress, anger, sadness, or even physical pain just by living and knowing and living within your talents and strengths. That makes perfect sense. And it's just understanding yourself. It's all a part of, it's all about each of us understanding who we are. And when we have that knowledge, we can understand where we want to go forward. Uh, how many times have we heard people say, I don't know where I am. I'm lost. How many times have we said that to ourselves? That's what these strengths tests do. They provide a little bit of a glimpse into ourselves, or as you had said, helps us understand our thumbprint a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when used as a team, you know, if you lead a team to have that and to allow them, especially to engage at their jobs. I mean, today we have the great resignation and all of that. So if you can keep, it's one little step you can take, actually it's a huge step you could take to keep your team more engaged at work, um, which is so vital today um, for that. Oh, very, very much so. Well, I mean, I think we're ready for the lightning round. What do you think? I'm scared. <laughs> nah, you don't need to be scared. <laughs> Listeners, as always, the lightning round is five leadership related questions. And as I quite often remind folks, I don't give the guests the questions ahead of time. So it, it's honestly a little bit fun for me, but there, here we go. Are you ready to go? Yeah. My strategic brain though is like, wait, wait, there's no plan. There's no strategy. So. <laughs> All part of my evil plan. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right. Question All number right. one. In one minute, 
describe your perfect leader? Hmm. I think it is somebody who is working within their strengths and enables somebody else to do the same so that they can show up every day as their best selves. And they support that and they help that and they appreciate who they are as a leader and who the people they lead are. Fantastic. Thank you. Question number two, cup half full or cup half empty? Oh, overflowing. Fantastic. Question three, if your leadership style was a famous actor, who is it and why? Oh, that's hard. I never know the names of the actors. Um, my leadership style. Okay. So I have grandkids and we just went and saw sing Two, And I would be the little, I'd be the koala bear. I think, um, Mr. Moon and lead that way. Okay. Okay. I haven't seen that yet, but, uh, I'll be interested to, to understand that a little bit more. I'll have to go watch that now. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. If you don't have small children, borrow a child or just go yourself. It's worth it. So oh, fantastic. <laughs> it's Matthew McConaughey's playing Mr. Moon. So. Oh, okay. There we go. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> Question four. What would you like to improve about your leadership style? Hmm. Oh, that's a lot, a lot. Um, I think for me, again, going back to strengths, I just really want to continue to invest in my own strengths so that I can continue to show up as, you know, a leader and help others become better leaders in their own right. Perfect. And the final question, what do you think is your leadership strength? Um. I feel like my strength is really, I call myself a visionary strategist and going back with that strategy, I'm very good at strategizing with people and helping them see, and I'm also a big visionary. So I help with, I love my futuristic and I love helping people see the possibilities they have that lie in front of them and, um, push people a little bit out of their comfort zone, nudge them a little bit, because I truly do believe that our best selves and the the most exciting part of life lies outside of our comfort comfort zone. So I, I love to nudge people outside of there by helping them see the possibilities that, that are waiting for them. Great. Thank you very much. That was a lightning round. That wasn't so bad. No, that wasn't. <laughs> no, no, I, it's not meant to overly uh, over. It's not meant to overwhelm people. There's no fun in that. So that's great. Well, listen, I think this has been absolutely fantastic. Sherry, I have a question though. How can people connect with you if they want to hear more, if they want to understand more about the test assessments, those types of things? All right. Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Facebook. I'm usually on there way too much. I always say, and I'm very easy to find It's Sherry S H E R I miter M I T E R. There are not a lot of miters in the world. Um, so I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, and then you can also head to Sherry Miter Co. So again, SherryMiterCO.com is my website. Um, if you are curious to learn more about the strengths, send me a message, DM me on, again, Facebook or LinkedIn. You can also email me at SherryMiterCo at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to send you um, more information with which assessment would be best for you, the five or the 34. And I also have a podcast that I did a while back. I can send you after you take the assessment of, okay, I did my assessment. Now, what do I do with it? 
Um, and if you want coaching on it, I do offer a 90 minute, like encompassing package that includes the assessment along with a 90 minute conversation where we actually dive into, okay, now how does this help me with life? Um, and then I also do have my podcast, the navigating your leadership, uh, which Simon will be a guest on, uh, in the future as well. I sure will. I can't wait for that. And thank you so much for all of that. Of course, all of the, the ways to connect you will be placed in the show notes of this episode. Earlier, earlier you had mentioned that you will be offering a free code to folks. Is that an accurate thing? Um, so it's not a free code, but this is a, uh, there's a, it's a workbook that if you don't want to invest in the Clifton Strengths, it's a workbook that you can go through. Um, has some great questions to answer that you can kind of figure out which of the domains you would probably fall in under. Um, so you can uh, do that workbook as an alternative or as a start at least. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for that. I'm, I'm confident the listeners are going to be excited to, to understand themselves a little bit better by, by running through this quiz and seeing where they land. Thank you so much for your time today. You are very, very busy and we're honored to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Simon. It was a pleasure. Oh, this has been great. Well, that's a wrap from the front. In this episode, we heard about the Clifton Strengths Assessment and how it can help you understand your personality thumbprint. We talked about how the assessment does not dictate who you are as a person, but how understanding yourself gives you the knowledge to create the path that you want to follow. Thanks for tuning in and remember, Leadership without passion limits the depth of your vision. So, how was the episode? Were you engaged? Did you finish the episode with a piece of leadership ammunition to help you lead from the trenches? Was this episode relevant and helpful? If so, never miss an episode by following us on all of your favorite podcast feeds. While you're there, and if you feel it's merited, please consider leaving an episode review. If the episode missed its mark, we need your help to refine the topic. So reach out and let us know how we can improve the show for you and all of our listeners. Be sure to join us next week with your host, Simon Cardinal, for another episode of Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. A proud supporter of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and Project Enlist. Episodes produced by iGlen Studios. Music provided by Ashamal of Music.